Leviathan is a good place to segue into alternate history since that's what that trilogy is. When think, people think of alternate history, they generally think about the fixation on a particular topic, which is Nazis win World War Two. Yeah, there's actually a book-length study by by Gabriel Rosenfeld called The World Hitler Never Made, which is about all the way this is manifested in, manifested in literature. So it has a long and story tradition, but it's to the point yeah. where it almost feels like that's all the people in the genre do, which is patently not true. But if you go into a bookstore yeah. shelf and go in your science fiction section and go, what are the alternate histories? That's generally what you'll find. Of course, the thing about it is that is that well, the, th- the Third Reich has made it really easy for us. They had multiple plans about what they would do. And of course, when writing about this, if you're like writing about stuff that's happening during the war, you have a bank a banquet of different di- different types of sort of fields of warfare you can write about. You can write about the air. You can ri- you can write about tank battles. You can write about house to house fighting, crazy Nazi super science that they only that they only ever built one of before. It one of before it sank, you can put that in too. A lot of the more, at least more famous ones, tend to happen sometime after the war. Like Fatherland. Yeah. Which is, I think, the one that had the most mainstream success. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it again in ages, but I was okay with it when, when I read it. But you know, if I if I came back to it now, I'd probably be a bit more critical of it. Yeah, yeah. Now that I do think about it, it one of the central conceits of the book is that. Is that the the Holocaust is completed and it's more or less completely hushed up? So even during even during the Second World War, people total everyone pretty everyone pretty much knew what was going on, but they didn't know to what to what extent. But say if it was a secret, it was an open secret. My major problem with it is that it tries to show life in the Third Reich normalizing after the Second World War is completed. And again, we have all these documents with plans of what they were going to do, which apparently none of this gets carried out in his universe, and he instead kind of makes the history of the Third Reich after the Second World War mirror the history of the Soviet Union, and almost seems to equate the two. Yeah, Robert Harris, he has a habit of doing that. Uh, in fact, there's a book he wrote after Fatherland called called Archangel, yeah, called yeah. Archangel, which I know you know, this it, one. it's about an English about an English academic who makes his way into Siberia and discovers discovers Stalin's illegitimate son and becomes involved in a plot to bring the guy back bring the guy back to civilization and have him have him at the center of a some sort of neo Soviet political party and there's like constant equations of sort of Stalin with Hitler and the Communist Party with with the Nazi Party and and uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we can move from, well, basically we're talking about alternate history and Nazis, so it's really not hard to move on to the major figure in the genre right now, or for a long time, which is Harry Turtledove. Ah, yes. Um, I read a lot of Harry Turtledove in high school, about the perfect age where you don't mind the fact that his books don't really have plot. Same here. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of stuff happening, but first of all, I want to if I want to be unkind, he's doing he's doing it to put his kids through college. But if I want to be kind, he has a tendency of like using lots of lots of viewpoint characters, each of which has their own little own little perspective. You know, he's sort of trying to you know get sort of the whole sort of the warp and weft weft of history and progress. Or but you know, at the end of it, it's 
yeah, it never really feels like anything is you know, integrated with a particular with a particular theme. What exactly do all, do all these events mean? Oh no, it's just it's just sort of a whole bunch of stuff that happens one after the other. There are lots of multiple viewpoint novels, even going George yeah. R. R. Martin and the Song of Ice and Fire. There are lots of <laughs> viewpoints, but it feels like there's a story going on, and these are going to tie together at some point. Yeah. Whereas with Harry Turtledove, there are all these separate viewpoints, none of which is dominant per se, none of which revolve around even a specific theme in the stories that these people are experiencing. And you just kind of get this random jumbled of characters doing stuff, but it's never going anywhere. As I mentioned earlier, I used to, used to be a poster on the alternatehistory.com discussion boards. You know, but a, f- a few years ago, you know, yeah, I drifted away. You know, partly because you know I found that sort of the only thing that was really interesting to me was the literature. Yeah, whenever I, f- I try- tried to talk about the l- literature, I found that there was really not much interest in you know sort of discussing the literature as literature. It's breaking it down in, into sort sort of you know a collection of events and arguing about over sort of how plausible each event is. Lately, I, lately I've been coming to think that this that this is a reflection of is the way. It's the way sort of nerds process me- process media. You, you, yeah, not 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 so much sort not so much sort of sort of story or imagery, but you know, breaking it down into facts and cat and TV categorizing tropes. them. Yeah, TV tropes. The Wikipedia, the, the Wikipedia's take you know take your pick. And Harry Turtledove really does kind of play into that mindset, even though yeah. in terms of plausibility, some of his alternate history scenarios are completely off the rails. His most well-known work is The Guns of the South, which is fairly straightforward. South Africans go back in time and give the Confederates AK-47s. I don't know if the other books that have the Confederacy take place in the same timeline. No, no, it's. I'm pretty no, sure they don't. They just. No, they don't. They just go, yeah, the Confederacy won, and that was the uh, starting off point, as opposed to because the AK-47s don't show. <laughs> this is never referenced, but there were guys who came from the future because that would be majorly disruptive. The other one, probably the dumbest one, is that in the middle of the Second World War, there is an alien invasion by reptiles. Uh, wor- uh, world War and Colonization. Because I was young and didn't know any better, I've, I read through those entire, th- those entire two, tril- two trilogies in high school. I don't have really any interest in revisiting them now, but I, f- I found that, you know, if you just, ex- just accept the World War trilogy for what it is, you know, a, you know, a silly adventure where, or sort of raw humans beat stupid li- lizards, it's alright. The second trilogy, Colonization, takes place, takes place about 20 years later. Um, you know, you know, to spoil, spoil briefly, uh, most major powers get, nu- get nuclear weapons, you know, a whole bunch of cities get, you know, blown off the face of the map, and actually now that I say it, it's kind of, kind of weird how, kind of weird how Turtle Love always seems to just brush off nuclear war. But anyway, it, it ends with the, with, you know, sort of the major independent human powers being the United, the United States and Canada, uh, not, uh, Nazi Europe, Nazi Europe, the Soviet Union, with Britain and Japan just sort of, just sort of nominally maintaining their independence. While, well, pretty much sort of all of Latin, all of Central and South America, Af- pretty much the entire colon, the entire colonized world. And Poland for some weird reason. It, it, it's just, it's just, I think it's just a jerk with the Nazis. They all end up under the control of the lizard people. So, 
yeah, colonization takes place in the 60s when, you know, sort of the rest of the, the rest of the lizard people's colonization fleet is supposed to arrive. Even though they're the ones with the, they're the ones with the spaceships, the lizards had no problem with letting the US Nazis and Soviets develop their own space programs. And you just start reading this and it just really doesn't make much sense. I mean, even as on the level of a silly adventure, the problem is that he then inserts, like, Mordecai Anyelevich is a major figure who was a, in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising and, you know, died in our yeah. timeline. He survives gassing mm-hmm. in Turtledove's timeline, and that whole the whole segment that involves Anyelevich is just grossly offensive. <laughs> I really couldn't get over that bit. And again, you have um, Homeini shows up in Persia to start a revolution against the lizard people, and you have the Nazis still con- continuing with their genocide program, despite, you know, the previous books being about the human race banding together against aliens. <laughs> As just, uh, it's, and, it's a mess. And, <laughs> and even, and, you know, the United States still looks, you know, sort of recognizably like the United States, you know, in spite of the fact that there were tank battles, there were like and tank battles across invasion. the Midwest in the 40s, and... <laughs> and nuclear and also, war. Nuclear war, and, you know, the fact that there is actually no more... And, it, you know, thanks to the planet being conquered by lizard people, there really is no such thing as a world economy anymore. I could say that this is symptomatic of a lot of Turtle Dove series, and that yeah. they're all... A lot of them are extremely long. Like, you're looking at at least six books when you come to the more recent series by Harry Turtledove. Yeah. And they all tend to go off the rails, and I've never actually finished any of the series just because there's no direction to how these stories were going, as I said earlier. I guess they're written to be if he needs to put another, another book into one series to make the extra amount of cash he needs than he does. Yeah. And there's nothing that stops him from doing it. The flip side being that he has such a incredible amount of work that he does. Like, yeah. I don't know how many books a year this guy writes, but it's, it's almost as much as Michael Moorcock at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you go, again, you go into science, the science fiction section, you look for alternate history books, yeah. there's going to be some books about Nazis winning the war, and the rest is going to be Turtle Dove. Yeah. Yeah. So that basically sums up my problem with the state of alternate history now. We can blame it on one guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The many things that, you know, has, that, that has bugged me about alternate history was the, the tendency for, you know, you know, for certain periods to be emphasized and others to be curious, sort of curiously underexploited. Now, I've read some, you know, some surveys of the, of the genre, so, you know, I, I know that, I know that part of this is, you know, sort of, is, du- is, you know, due to the general shifts in culture. You know, when people, you know, when people were first started, ri- first started writing alternate history stories, you know, at the beginning of the 20th century, there, there was a tendency to, to focus on the Napoleonic Wars as, you know, the big, as, you know, the major conflict of the time, to- of the time. And, you know, in the course of the 20th century, that of course has, has died out and been replaced by World War II, which isn't, which of course is understandable. And with American authors, there's, you know, there's always, there's always the American Civil War, which again is, you know, perf- perfectly understandable, cons- you know, considering, you know, the divisions that have existed in American society, which I say, you know, even go back before, before the Civil War to the way America itself was put together. 
but there's also other periods that that aren't used and I've always and I've always found rather strange. You know, I've talked before in other contexts about the fir- about the First World War. It's partly understandable because there is a ten- there is a tendency to see the First World War see the First World War, you know, not not so much as sort of, you know, a, a, spa, a, a sparring match between two, you know, between two boxes where anything can happen, but more as, I suppose you could say, sort of two continents grinding in, grinding into one another. The causes and reasons for the war, they stretch back across a century, you know, part, you know every party was responsible, but it wasn't really anyone's, act, but it wasn't entirely any, anyone's actual fault. And sort of as for the war, as for the way the war was was fought, yeah, you know, for the most part, it's seen that it didn't really, it didn't really matter sort of who won who won the battles. It was who could last the longest. Yeah, you know, Germany stumbled in the final steps, and that and that was that. Even putting that aside, I've always found it. The reason I found it odd people don't World War One that much is that well, well, it didn't have quite the stark ideological divides of the Second War. There, there definitely were some you know, sort of differences in opinion. That, as to you know, sort of what exactly, sort of how exactly the British thought the world should work, how the German, how the Germans thought, how the Russians, and so on. And you know, if you could play with that, you could actually create sort of a very different and, and like alien world, alien world to explore. And not many writers seem to do that. There has been another period I've been thinking about. Re- I, I've been thinking about fairly recently that has gone like, almost completely ignored in terms of auto historical speculation that I find actually rather baffling: the collapse of communism. I would say it is you know, one of the one of the biggest. I would say it is the biggest, the biggest world historical event of the past of the past twenty five years. You know, the Soviet Union and the West and the Eastern and Eastern Bloc coming up, coming apart. Of course, you know, because massive upheaval and still is causing upheaval. It's changed the ways you know North America and Europe and Europe have interacted with the world and has and has given plenty of opportunities for you know any any number of other nations to exploit. But at least over here in the English-speaking world, it seems to be out of sight and out of mind. It would be interesting to see something come out in alternate history here that dealt with that topic. <laughs> I suppose that you know, in the English-speaking world, part of the reason it's not discussed is that is that you know there is a general sum- general assumption that that the whole Soviet system was a f- was a fundamental failure. So such that you know it doesn't. Sort of, it doesn't matter if anything happens differently. It's just, it's just going to collapse anyway, and capitalism, and capitalism will triumph. This is something that I feel could probably be argued. You know, as, of course, the, as for the viability of the Soviet Union itself, that's that's you know, another that's another question. I think we will wrap up on that point. Try yeah. To point towards where future ultimate history writers might go. Yeah. Not so much in the case of where Steampunk should go, because we have no clue. <laughs> um, so thanks for joining me, Alistair. Oh, you're you're very welcome. And thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.